Okay, yeah, I, I so like do you have any other movies to talk about before we get to our New Year's movie? Well, I will talk about, um, I just saw today a movie called Mr. Turner, uh, which is about the uh, 19th century British painter J.M.W. Turner. Um, he's played in the movie by this actor, Timothy Spall. Uh, now, if you don't remember who Timothy Spall is, um, I will show you a picture of him so that you know exactly who I'm talking about. He was in Harry Potter. Um, you know, surprise, Mr. surprise, Potter, he's British. Yeah. Um, no, not not Alan Rickman. Um, he here's a Mr. Picture. Potter here's a will picture not be joining of us Spall. for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Oh God, he's hideous. <laughs> Wow, what, how judgmental are you? I First don't shame. judge people. I just say the truth. You're trying to still talk like Alan Rickman, aren't you? Yes, he did this recently, Alan he didn't do Rickman. Um, yeah, but no, uh, Timothy Spall has been See, around for See, I can do terrible while. impressions as well. Oh, okay, he played Wormtail in... I haven't uh, seen any of the Harry Potter movies. Um... Unfortunately, but he looks familiar. I've probably seen him in about a dozen things. I'm sure. Oh, he played Winston Churchill in The King's Speech. He played. Oh, cool. Unfortunately, he played a voice in Alice in Wonderland. I guess he needed the money. Um, <laughs> um, he had a role in uh, Sweeney Todd. I haven't believe. seen it. Um, he's been, he's been a lot. Like, well, what about the movie? In the movie, uh, J.M.W. Turner was this guy who's really renowned today as one of the great. Uh, painters in the 19th century, certainly from Britain. Um, the movie follows much, like some of his creative life, um, not from like a young age, because Timothy Spall is more like a middle-aged guy. Uh, it sort of charts his creative uh, surge at a point in time where, at one point, he was known for kind of painting really lovely landscapes and portraits of ships on the sea facing storms, uh, things like that. But then he sort of had this leap creatively and started to paint really radically and <clears throat> really threw the public for a loop and they didn't know what to do with it. They thought he'd kind of lost his mind, but some people thought maybe it was brilliant. Like he was mocked in plays because <clears throat> they thought like, what is this crap that you're putting up on the canvas? And uh, like he would paint like these really detailed slave revolts or uh, tragedies. And it just charts... You know, the director is uh, Mike Lee, who's done uh, many films over the years. Um, movies like, I'll just... Like, Do the Right things. Thing. What? No. That's Mike Lee. Close enough. <laughs> I'm going to throw something at you. You're going to confuse Spike Lee and Mike Lee? They sound the same. You've, uh... uh Alright, um... But Mike Lee is a British director. That's one difference. Uh, he's made movies like Naked, Secrets and Lies, uh, Happy Go Lucky, uh, Topsy Turvy, uh, which was also a period piece. Uh, that one was about uh, uh, who did the HMS Pinafore? Oh fuck this! Is... All right, anyway, really classic British director, but known for you know detailing like life's little moments, and that's what he gets at here, and that's what's really interesting. It's a biopic that is. Uh, it builds up to something really nice, and it's some of it's really dark. Um, you know, I'm not spoiling it because again, it's a biopic, and you're seeing this man's life. The last like 10, 15 minutes of the movie are watching him 
deteriorate. Which mm. is kind of sad. Uh, but the thing is, though, like, one of the main things that carries it is this actor, Timothy Spall, who, uh, he looks like what I, I could picture if Charles Lawton were alive today, he might look like Timothy Spall. <laughs> At the same time in this movie, like, 90% of the time, this guy, Timothy Spall, walks around as uh, J.M.W. Turner in, like, a this this jacket, a top hat, and a umbrella. And... I swear, if they ever make a movie, a Batman movie, uh, with an older penguin, Timothy Spall has to be the penguin. This is his audition reel to play the penguin. <laughs> and it, it really messed with my mind, because I'm you know, watching this very... You know, it's a period piece. It's the 19th century. It's Britain. You know, people are... It's so British that for the first five to ten minutes, I really needed subtitles. It was that kind of movie... <laughs> You've seen you've seen those kind of British movies where they do like this. No, these I do Usually it's a usually it's a British crime film. Usually it's a British crime film. Usually it's Scottish, but here you're getting really uh, like. But it, it, you get over it after a while, and then you get really into the movie. Some of it's very emotional. Lots of human moments that feel unusual for a biopic, and it looks gorgeous. What's interesting, what really fascinates, the last thing I'll talk about it. The movie is up for an Academy Award for cinematography, mm. and it's shot by this guy, Dick Pope. And what's interesting to me about this is Dick Pope usually shoots a lot of action movies. He shot the Matrix movies. I think he actually shot Jupiter Ascending, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. He also shot one of our favorite movies, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, nice. So, you know, and you see him transform uh, this world of J.M.W. Turner, and you see a lot of... You know, this guy, and you see him doing the artistic process, walking around in fields, trying to find places where he can sketch and paint. And it's a very different kind of movie than, obviously, those action things. But you see a cinematographer who can easily adapt and find an eye for this world. And I really appreciate that. And I, I hope maybe he wins. All right. All right. Um, next movie, and I, I don't want to talk about this that long, even though... Maybe I should, because, man. Which movie? It's called Timbuktu. It's up for the foreign film Oscar. Um, What's it about? You want it boiled down? Because I can give you a really boiled down Give me one answer. sentence. I'll, I don't even need to give you a sentence. I'll give you three words. Go ahead. Radical Islam. Bad. Yeah, I think we knew that already. Yeah, did you know that, Andrew? Because this movie will tell you so it's for just, 97 minutes. So it's just redundant. Uh, I mean, I... It's, it's, well, it's, is this is it like a documentary? It's a is, docudrama. Okay. It follows... It's it's kind of done in vignettes, but it mostly follows uh, in Timbuktu, in uh, the African country, Mali, uh, this vi little village where um, this family kind of gets affected because Sharia law has come in. And they've brought in, obviously, their radical Islamic ways. So you know, why so why does this film give you such fatigue? It's just emotionally draining. It's a well-made movie. It's beautifully done, but there's not a moment where it lets up. It really hammers home mm. to you, moment after moment. And the thing is, it it, tr it is subtle in some ways, but on the other hand, it scene after scene, it just is... Like, uh, we, I know, I know this is terrible. I know repression by religion is awful. I know that 
you know, yeah. I wish something could be done here, but I, I'm watching this and I feel bad. I feel like you're trying to get something out of me movie, you know? And it's, yeah, but it's not, I, like, that's, that's the thing I, I don't like about a lot of sort of mesh message movies. Yeah. I mean, it's now the, you, you can yeah. say something is bad and you can show how bad something is, but you got to give something, you got to have some sort of, yeah. you've got to have some sort of narrative arc that, that brings you somewhere and you got to, and you, you, yeah. you, you, you can't be oppressive about it. You have no. to let up somehow and show that, you know, give out, bring some humanity out I, in people yeah, I mean, rather is, than just showing them melodramatically suffering. There is some humanity in the movie, and I will give this, that the filmmakers, they don't use, uh, I could tell they used uh, non-professional actors. They tried to get a neorealistic feel. They tried to get more naturalistic drama out of things, but it's like, by the end of it, I, I just wanted to get out of there. I'm yeah. just like, uh, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's just a part of me that's not human in some way that I can't read into this. Maybe you could tell me, Andrew, if I'm not human anymore. But, oh, but I know exactly what you're saying. The film is just, is just kind of oppressive. It's it's oppressive. Well, it's showing oppressiveness, but it also... Uh, I'm not talking about the same kind of oppressive where, where governments get people down. I mean those sort of emotional oppressiveness of, can, of a film that with a very heavy message and very little let-up. I can... Yeah, because I can appreciate... I, I could see a movie, like... Years ago, the movie United 93 came up, and that was a movie where that that really drained me. But I felt like I got something out of that. That was, like, a really powerful experience. Right. This one, it's like... And, then, and yet, at the same time, after I saw United 93, I was like, I don't know if I can watch that again. That was just too much. <laughs> this is another case like that, and yet it just didn't have that extra something. It didn't build up the characters enough for me. It didn't have... It had very simplistic characters to drive home its message about, okay, we get it, Islamic repression is really terrible, but you could go about it a different way. Yeah. So, and that reminds me of, of a review of a movie Roger Ebert did. It was, a, it was a documentary about global warming and about environmental deterioration. And it says, yeah, it makes a lot of, valu va a lot of valuable points that uh, what humans are doing is, is destroying the environment. But you have to give people a reason to want to do exactly. – it's not – you can't just say something bad is happening, do something. You have to be – you have to say – this is what we can do, or this is something we are doing that yeah. can help. Mm -hmm. You can't just throw the problem in people's laps. Yes. You have to say, this is the problem, this is how it works, this is what we can do. Yes, exactly. I. You have to give yeah. them some sort of empowerment yes. if you're going to give them a serious message. And it seems that this film does not have that. Or not even, even not so much empowerment, but give me richer characters or richer dialogue of a sort. It was just... It was a beautifully, it was a gorgeously made slug. <laughs> like there, I can't discredit the filmmaking because they, they, there's no real fault exactly in how they shot it or how they exactly directed the actors. It's just, eh. yeah. All right, so last, All right, last movie one is a documentary, which is also up at the best documentary Oscars. This is interesting in that technically this movie hasn't come out yet. I saw this at a critic screening, so if you're getting a first peek here, folks, ding! Um, but it did play at Cannes, 
at the Cannes Film Festival. Actually, the other two films I just talked Con! about also played. Yeah. If I ever go to the, the Cannes Film Festival, that's what I'm doing. To somebody. Or to the sky. And then it'll echo. Because <laughs> that's what happens when you yell Cannes. Oh, Jack, you're going to a major film festival? Which one? Cannes! <laughs> Sundance! Tell you Ryan! All right, let's get okay. this done. Um, this this is called the Salt of the Earth. Um, this sounds like this sounds like a nineteen fifties French film that's about oppressed coal miners and hmm. the bicycle that is stolen from them. Ah, <laughs> uh, Salt of the Earth. Okay, right. <laughs> sorry, that was an obscure reference. Um, this is a documentary about a photographer. Uh, his name is uh, Sebastian Salgado. Um, and this is by... The movie is co-directed by uh, the German director, Vin Wenders. Um, you might know him from movies like Paris, Texas, and uh, Wings of Desire. Uh, he was He's often been brought up with Werner Herzog and uh, Fassbender as the sort of preeminent... <laughs> as, the tri- as the trio of German directors with funny names. <laughs> Is Herzog really a funny name? Werner Herzog? That sounds like a German name to me. Yeah, but that's because you've heard it a bunch of times and you're used to it. I guess the first time I saw the name Werner Herzog, I did think it was kind of exotic. Like, actually, like, now that you say it, like, when I... The first time I heard of that was when I saw the cover for Nosferatu and... You know, I knew the one by F.W. Herzog. But when I saw Werner Herz- Herzog, I Herzog thought... Herzog like, sounds like a, uh, a 1950s pipe and <laughs> garbage can robot. Herzog, attack! Herzog, reply, destroy. <laughs> He's like, Robbie the Robot's villain is Herzog. <laughs> Alright. I, the great and powerful Herzog... We'll destroy Flash Gordon. I will. It is not a significant blast. Um, okay, but this documentary charts um, the I have often of... wondered what it would be feel like to be a robot. <laughs> to be that, without a soul, reminds, without humanity. When I take a break, I have to show you something uh, related to that. But anyway... Um, so this movie charts the uh, to not feel the cries of the jungle or no, the screaming of the birds. Keep going, get out of your system. Okay, I'm done. Okay, good. Uh, all right, this movie is about a photographer uh, who's worked since uh, the '60s or actually early '70s, um, and his name is Sebastian Salgado. Uh, he was this brilliant, uh, Brazilian guy. I almost called him a brilliant guy. <laughs> <laughs> the country of brilliant. He's Brazilian. <laughs> Brazilian. <laughs> not bad. Yeah, not Come bad. Come on, man. Um, Alright. So, he originally started out as an economist. Like, he thought he was going to be in that sort of realm. But, like, his wife bought him uh, a camera. And, like, he went out on a vacation and just started taking pictures. And realized, you know what, this is really my passion. And not just that, but also, like, I'm kind of interested in, like, the plight of people. And so he spent, like, the next 30 years of his life sort of charting 
first, uh, like, indigenous people, or people who you don't really see that much. And we see a lot of these photographs, and this guy describes the photographs that he's showing. So he goes into parts of Central America, and parts, you, parts that you think should be known, but parts in Mexico where people are still natives, basically. And yeah, central Mexico, I mean, especially around the Yucatan, where it's very jungly. Yeah. A lot of those people are descended from from the indigenous people of, of, of Mexico from before the time of the Spanish. Yeah, so they, they were the people, um, you know, like... Oh, uh, uh, you're going to hate me for bringing this up, but... <laughs> but the people in Apocalypto, before oh, no. the... Before the the Jaguar Paw. <laughs> oh, if man. I were a robot, I could carry my boat over the mountain without the help of natives. But the trial would be not reduced to nothing more than a household chore. Yes. Um, but anyway, um, and we see then that after this, uh, Salgado... Uh, goes more into charting like like civil wars that happen like in Africa and he also charts uh <clears throat> interesting that you bring up Herzog by the way because I was reminded and I wrote this down in my press notes of uh, this Herzog documentary called uh, Lessons of Darkness and that was a movie where Herzog went and shot uh right after the Iraq war I forget if it was the, the Kuwaitis or the Iraqis decided to blow up and set on fire all these oil, uh, oil set or the uh, oil. They sites. set off these oil fires. Thank you. And Herzog did a documentary on that. Yeah. In his style. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah it's a very a, slow paced. Slow paced, but you lots know, of fire. Lots of fire. Lots yeah, of lots very, of oil. Lots of moody narration um, about like the chaos of man. Um, and Salgado just was taking pictures of that, and all in black and white, really brilliantly shot, and really evocative of sort of the terror of man, and then, then he goes off to the Congo, and he goes off to places in Africa, and, <clears throat> you know, charting atrocities, and human devastation, and, you know, you're watching this guy describing all this, and then, finally, in his last ten years... He becomes a nature photographer, and that's sort of you see. Then he kind of redeems himself in that way, of uh, like you know, you know, you think like, oh man, is this what all this guy's gonna do? Is taking pictures of you know devastation, and that's all he feels is humanity sucks. But then he does two things: he replants his farm in Brazil and makes sort of like a little rainforest over ten years, um, and then he you know, does nature photography, and that looks just as gorgeous. So, um, really interesting move, really interesting move. Okay. Um, so, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with you folks in a minute. Make dreams to the hard-working people. Make drink to the lonely of earth. Raise your glass. Spare a heart for his back-breaking work 
Right. 